Well, happy Ascension Sunday. Now, what in the world does that mean? Um, if, if you have been tracking with us since um, Easter, uh, we've been looking at the uh, 40 days that Christ spent on earth as he showed himself and, and revealed himself so that we would believe. And today, uh, many Christians around the world celebrate a day or the day when after those 40 days were uh, finished, we, we see where Christ, after charging his disciples in his resurrected body, ascended from earth into heaven. Now, that may just be an interesting historical point. I think a lot of us may have heard that before Christ ascended to, to the Father. We kind of move on. But what I want to do today, what I hope we can do, what I hope you can see, we can all see, is that actually this wasn't just a mark in history. But it was really a beautiful thing. It was a grace-filled thing. It was part of the overall plan of our salvation. And normally I have three points of good news to share with, with you on this. But I got so carried away with the first one that for the sake of time, because it would be really, really hot in here. Um, I cut it down to two, okay? But the first one's kind of long. Anyway, but... As we look at the ascension, what I want us to, to see is that this is a beautiful place where two great things happen for us sinners. One, because of the ascension, because Christ rose from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the Father, he now, we now know that God has the greatest understanding for us. And then number two, because Christ rose and is seated with the Father, we now have the greatest work that human beings could ever do. So two blessings of the ascension for us that, that I want to focus on are number one, how it gives us the greatest understanding and it gives us the greatest work. So point one, the greatest understanding. When uh, Jesus rose and went up to heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father, a lot of us would say, well, okay, why was that necessary? Why did that have to happen? Why couldn't he just stay on earth? Well, the good news for us is that one of the offices, one of the jobs that, a, that a Jesus has is he's the great king who rules. He's the great prophet that teaches us the truth about God's love for us and his forgiveness and his condemnation of sin. But he's also our great high priest. But what does that mean that Christ is our great high priest? Well, it means that Jesus literally is the mediator, is the intermediary between us sinners and a holy God. He's the one who we must go to, who we must go through, if you will. For the forgiveness of our sins. We have to go to him and we do it every Sunday here. And we confess our sins. We lay open in our hearts and in our minds and in our words. The multiple times where we have failed to love God with all of our heart, soul and strength. And love our neighbor as ourselves. I don't think, that's, a, that's terrifying, isn't it? The sinful coming to the perfect and we have to sit there in the obvious nakedness of our failures and tell someone how badly we have failed them and the people that they love. And it's something that none of us ever 
want to do because it just it lays bare the very reality that we ourselves don't want to, to face. And that's we are far worse than we ever thought possible. And so if not to get too deep into a side into psychology, but because we want to preserve this self lie, right? We're always lying to ourselves. You know, I'm not a perfect person, but I'm not that bad. I'm really okay. I'm trying my hardest. And then something like this comes up and we realize, no, I'm, I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I can't even want to do the right thing, much less do it. And what that leads to is an incredibly deep sense of shame and embarrassment. And that causes us to want to hide, right? We want to hide. And when we're hiding, that prevents us from knowing the full love of God and the people around us. That shame of acknowledging the fact that we need to be for forgiven and that we need to be healed paralyzes us and actually keeps us from growing more to the image of our Savior Christ, having a heart that truly loves him and our neighbor. One of my favorite ministries going around right now is this, is this ministry. It's called Fight the new drug and what the new drug is is internet pornography okay and essentially uh, they give you all kinds of tips but their primary strategy and I think this is what's so brilliant because this is and in one sense I mean we should be ashamed of this right this isn't a, a good thing for our souls it's not a good thing for, for the victims of, of this industry this isn't a healthy thing so, so there is a good bit of shame and embarrassment which is good and healthy because that's the Holy Spirit Convicting us of our need for, for uh, salvation. But what they do that's so brilliant is they say, don't stay in that shame. Don't let that shame prevent you from reaching out for help. Confessing your sins. Seeking counseling. Seeking restoration. Seeking healing. Don't hide behind that shame. How many of us, when we hear, and, and I am included in this, I'm, I'm probably the chief of this amongst all of us, is that as we continue to, to sin, some of us, we really enjoy that sinning. And we just want to sort of keep it up, right? It's really fun. It's really enjoyable. Others of us are trapped by it, enslaved by it. We want to quit, but we just can't. And then we say, well, come to Jesus. And they say, okay, that's great, but... He's holy. He's perfect. I'm a sinner. How can I come into the presence of this perfect one? It's no surprise here at St. Thomas's Church that I'm a big fan of the Reverend Dr. Tim Keller. I love Tim. He's amazing. Well, I read all of his books, listen to his sermons. I think he's fantastic. He steal all of his stuff for my sermons. Um, and uh, but one day. I, much to my absolute horror, looked up from my pulpit at the church where I used to work to see the Reverend Dr. Tim Keller staring back at me. I had to preach for Tim Keller. I, the sinner, was in the presence of theological perfection and preaching perfection. I had to preach to him, and it was absolutely terrifying because I felt like he could see through all of my, you know, just 
just all of my flaws were just magnified in his presence, right? Well, of course, afterwards he was very gracious and all these wonderful things. But the point that I'm trying to get at is that it's terrifying to be in the presence of someone who is absolutely amazing. And I wonder how many of us walked in this church with a week's or months or a year's worth of sins on our shoulders, on our backs. And as we walked in, as we came into the presence of, of God, which this symbolizes, though he is physically here, he is really here. There was a great sense of shame and embarrassment. I don't belong here. I'm too much of a sinner. Well, if that's you, like it's me, I have good news for us sinners. What kind of a high priest do we have? Well, our scripture tells us, Hebrew 4, verse 14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession to our belief. Why? For we do not have a great high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. What's the point of that? Therefore, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace in time of need. To me, one of the greatest, one of the most comforting, one of the, one of the greatest mysteries is how Jesus Christ, yes, he was fully God, he was fully man. And though he was without sin, he experienced every single weight of temptation that this world could bring upon him. He knows what it means to be tempted. And in fact, he knows more than, than we do. Why? Because he experienced the full weight and power of what temptation can possibly bring because he never gave in. You see, temptation is strong for us, but we never know its full weight because eventually, either in mind or, or body, we just give in. We just throw up the white flag. We just surrender. We just, we, we just do it even though we know we shouldn't, right? But Jesus Christ, for his whole 33 years on earth, carried that burden, that gnawing, that nagging to turn away from his father, to rescue himself without going to, to the cross, to become the ruler of his own world and not submit to his father. So he knows this burden. He knows what we face every single day. Day And because he knows that, he knows what it's like to be us. He can sympathize with us. One of the things that fight the uh, new drug does is the, is the counselors that you first contact are all recovering pornography addicts. Why is that? Because they know. Because you can approach them with confidence and not be worried about judgment or condemnation. But because they can look you in the eye or hear you over the phone and say, you know, I know exactly what you're going through. And I am so sorry. I know that pain. I know that failure. I know that weight. Let me walk with you. They're a safe place. They understand the stresses and strains. And they meet them and you with understanding. 
and not condemnation. Do you feel the shame? Are you afraid to come into the presence of the holy God because your sins are, are so heavy upon you? You're afraid to even approach his throne. Well, if that's you, like it's me many days, take confidence in this promise. You will not meet a face of condemnation. You will meet a face of understanding and love and forgiveness and hope and encouragement. You will meet a brother who has faced the same trials, even worse than we have, and who will bring us in and will walk with us to the finish line. Come and meet this sympathetic Christ this day. In fact, run to him. Approach him boldly. Approach him with confidence because he cares and he understands us sinners. So that's the first great blessing that we have an understanding, God. But the second great blessing is this. Is that the fruit of knowing this loving and forgiving God is it brings us into the greatest work a human being can possibly engage in. What is it? What does is, what is Jesus Christ say? He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We'll talk about that next week. And you will be my what? My witnesses. At St. Thomas's, we would use the word ambassadors, right? In uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. A problem that most of us should ask when we ask, when we say, well, why did Jesus rise up in, into heaven? is we understandably say, well, wouldn't it have been much more, wouldn't he have attracted more believers if he just stayed on earth, he would have stayed here, lived on generation after generation, proved he was risen from the dead, performed miracles, proved he was alive, all these things. Certainly that would have been, been better, right? Maybe so. But our Lord in his wisdom sees it differently because the Lord wants us to experience the fullness of joy. He wants us to experience the fullness of what it means to be a human being. He did not want to deprive us, I would argue, of the joy of watching someone come to know and love him, the joy of someone coming to be saved, the joy of sharing the good news of God crucified for us sinners with a hurt and wounded heart and watching them come alive for the first time. So he sends us out to be witnesses. I remember I was, uh, I was uh, uh, doing ministry at, 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 at a former church, although it's happened here numerous times, but it, but, but it never gets old where I, where, you know, we work with, with, with the, one of our parishioners and they've got two or three people in their hearts that they're really praying for, they really want them to come to Christ and, 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 and they've been praying for them and been trying to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. It hasn't worked, but then one day it does. And they call me, they text me, call me back right now. This is really important. This is, this is important stuff. And so I'm like, okay, well, who died, right? I mean, you know, are you in the hospital? What's up? No, can you believe it? So-and-so just became a Christian. Hallelujah. 
If our Savior had just stayed on earth, we wouldn't know the joy of that in the same way that we know it now. And our Lord left so that we might take this good news out. At St. Thomas's church, why do we here? Why do we come into this cafetorium? Why do we sweat on absurdly hot days? Why do we spend all of our time in poorly air-conditioned spaces? Why do we do it all? Because there are people that we live, work, play, and learn with who do not know this loving, sympathetic God. And we want to remove every obstacle that they might know his saving love. And it brings us the deepest joy in our hearts to see them come to faith in Christ. So I say that to those of us in this room which have those people on their hearts and minds, have those, but, but, but you're terrified to kind of reach out. You're terrified to share it. You're terrified of them judging you or condemning you or cutting ties with you or running away. Whatever it might be, let me say, not out of, out of guilt or obligation, but out of joy, there is great joy in praying and pursuing that person that they would come to faith. There is no greater work for, for a human being. I end with this. We've just scratched the surface on the ascension. We could do a whole sermon series on it. But, but today, let us sinners root in our hearts these two great blessings that we remember this day. That because our Savior went to heaven, we have a sympathetic high priest who we can always run to and never be ashamed in front of. But also, we're given the blessing of the greatest work on this earth to share the good news of a Savior who does not condemn us, but seeks that, that, that we be rescued and saved forever. And, and this is good news for us sinners. Indeed. Amen.